Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. You're just in time to talk about some more great football history as Jeff Payne, vintage football collector, joins us again to talk about some more items from his Pottsville Maroons collection. Jeff has got some really exciting things to share with us and some great stories of how he got them. Jeff joins us in just a moment to tell us all about the pieces in his collection. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition where we get to talk about some great football history. We're going to go back some 100 years ago and talk about some memorabilia from the NFL and maybe a little bit before the NFL. Our friend Jeff Payne is back on again. Jeff, welcome back to the Pigpen. Great to be here, Darren. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, Jeff, uh, you sent me an email a couple weeks ago uh, telling me about a, a couple pieces of your collection that I was not aware of. And I was pretty stoked when I, when you told me you had them because uh, these are really some, some cool items. And I know you always have some great backstories on how you get them too. So we're looking forward to both the story of the piece, it's history to football and you know how you got it. So I will put the floor over to you. Awesome. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, I want to talk a couple of about a couple of Pottsville Maroons items. Uh, last time we talked about the Maroons, we were focused on the 1925 team. Of course, that was the team that, you know, many of us believe got their championship stolen. Uh, but these are a couple of items from some years past that in the 20s, but equally rare and equally hard. And I think some pretty good stories how I went about getting getting some of these things. Um, I'll start with um, the first thing is in 1926, the Pussville Maroons produced a set of postcards, real photo postcards of the players on the 1926 team. Um, And one interesting thing about the 26 team that most people don't really focus on because of the whole controversy with 1925 is they might have had a better team in 1926 than they had in 25. You know, with two games left in the season, they were 10-1-1, and and we're going to play the the other two teams who had one loss, the Chicago Bears and the Yellow Jackets from Frankfurt. And if they win those two games, they're the NFL champs in 26. Um, They also set a record that year, a record that obviously will never be broken now, changes in the game. They had 11 NFL shutouts in their their games. Um, Wow. Yeah, both of their ties were shutouts, and nine of their 10 wins were shutouts. Um, they only gave up 29 points all season, and they played, uh, well, including exhibition games, they played 20 games, and they gave up 29 points. But you have to realize they had their whole team pretty much back from 26, you know, other than a few small changes. They, they were a great team and probably were better than the 25 team. Um, and ironically, they lost to the Bears 9-7 to in Chicago. A heartbreaking loss. It was apparently really cold, really windy, really rainy. It was muddy. It was just a hor- – sounds like horrible conditions. And um, the Maroons missed three field goals, which was their undoing. They lost 9-7. And, um, and they gave up some points when they muffed a punt that cost them dearly. They gave up the go-ahead score. 
So, you know, they could have won that game. And then Frankfurt going into the last game, Frankfurt knew they only needed a tie. They didn't need to win that game. They only needed a tie because they were ahead of the Bears in the standings at that point. And um, they played for a tie. It was a 0-0, apparently really cold. wasn't rainy, but just really frozen ground. You know, hard to get traction. A lot of punts. Both teams missed a couple field goals, so they both had a chance to win. But it ended in a 0-0 tie. And the Yellow Jackets clinched the NFL championship, 26. So, wow. little little history there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but okay. back to the... the most surprising thing is you mean it was cold in Pennsylvania and yeah, can early you believe December? that? Yeah, that's hard to believe. You and I would never, we never saw a winter like <laughs> that in Erie, right? Right, never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so back to the postcards. Um, sometime during the season, and I actually think it was probably mid mid year when when these postcards were produced, and I can give you my reasoning for that. Um, the the Maroons created a, a set of postcards of all their players. Um, and so there's 18 players um, in the set. There are individual portraits of the players in their uniforms, kind of waist high, waist up. Beautiful, beautiful postcards. Generally considered, or many consider it, the first football card set of all NFL players. Um, mm. You know, Around that era, there were other cards, you know, the star player candies, the Spaldings or other sets. But most of them were either all college or they were a combo of college and pros. This set was the first set of all NFL players. And it wasn't really until nine years later when the National Chickle set came out, which, of course, is kind of the iconic pre-war NFL set. Um, so it predates, you know, the Chickle set by nine years. And of course, the Chickle set wasn't all NFL players, too, because they had a New Rockney tri- tribute card in it, um, but other than that, it was it was all NFL players. So, so the Maroons set is you know pretty, pretty, pretty um, uh, unique. They appear I'll to say. have been given out to the players, uh, and I'll I'll give you some thoughts on why. Well, one is these things are very hard to find. Um, I've only been able to f- locate, and I mean just know of the existence of. 59 cards, so a little bit over three sets total. If there's 18 players in a set um, that are out there that I know of that collectors have, and I've been tracking these things for like a decade. No, now were these um, just just of the the Pottsville Maroons, or when you're saying NFL mm-hmm. players, or were there other yep. players from other teams? Just the Maroons. Just the Maroons. Okay. Yeah, I believe they were created probably by you know the the team itself. You know Joe Zacco, who was the longtime you know, big advocate of the Maroons and fought for their them to get their championship back. And he owned the sports store. I, I think he was probably involved in that. He was involved in a lot of the, you know, t- team types of things in town there. But yeah, it's okay. only Maroons. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and interestingly enough, of those 59 cards that I've been able to locate and figure out who has them or where they live right now, <laughs> um, 57 of them, I've been able to kind of zero in and put, into four different sets. So I know there's enough differences with them, either, you know, some of the cards like Joe Zacco for his set, he stamped the back of them with his, his, his um, kind of sports store emblem and his stamp. Right. So when you see those, you know, they came from Joe Zacco, right? There's an autograph set out there. I'll talk about that was complete. It's the only complete set I've ever seen um, that, you know, came obviously all together. So you can actually associate most of these cards with a particular set, which really means there's only, you know, right. At least as far as I know, three or four sets that are, have been floating around and changing hands out there in all this time, a hundred years. Wow. That's amazing. Now, now what, what kind of size are these like a, a postcard, postcard size, postcard mm-hmm. size that we would consider postcard today? That, yes. That size? Okay. Yeah, they have postcard backs on them. So they were, you know, they have a stamp, you know, frame on them and place to write on the back. I mean, you could have used them as postcards. Um, and maybe some of them were used as postcards. I've never seen any of them used. One one thing that I think that probably is one of the reasons why there's not more of them floating around. I mean, even if they give them out to all the players and Zacho got a set and the coaches all got a set, 
gosh, you'd be, you'd be kind of surprised there's so few out there, but there's no information on these postcards. There's no player name. There's no team name. There's no information on the front. It's just a player in a football uniform from the waist up. And on the back, it's just a, you know, a, a standard postcard format. So I can see these things. And that's my dream. My dream is to go to a, you know, a card show in Pennsylvania and just be flipping through like, you know, some postcards and, oh my gosh, there's a whole stack of these babies. <laughs> Cause you wouldn't know what they were if you didn't know what to look for. Right. Right. Hmm. So I started collecting them. Um, the first lot of these I saw came up actually in the 2020, 2012 Leland's auction, where a lot of the Joe Zacco stuff came up. I think I mentioned last time that was a, uh, an auction. I, I was able to pick up a few things. I picked up those big tubs of paper that we talked about last time mm -hmm. that had some some stuff in it. That same auction had a Mm, a, a near complete set of these postcards. I think there was probably 12 or 13 of them. <clears throat> they were all, you know, in there as one lot. I didn't really know anything about them at the time. Like I said, I was just getting into the Maroons at that point. And I was like, oh, these are kind of cool, but I had no idea how rare they were, you know, how difficult they were to find. And so I think I threw a bid in, but I didn't really you know, go after them. It mm. wasn't until after that when I ran into a longtime collector who was actually one of the two people that bought that lot. He and a buddy who knew what they were bought it and split it. So he got half and this other buddy got half. Um, he started educating me about them and he was interested in, in starting to sell some of them off as he was kind of thinning his collection and, you know, looking at getting some other things. And so I ended up buying from him over a couple year period, six of them is what he had. He had half that lot, which about was about 12. So I, I picked up six of them over time. I was like, okay, you know, I and got some, that's kind of cool. These are the ones with what you talked about earlier that have Zacco's uh, sports store stamp on them. Some, okay. Some of them also, Joe Zacco seemed to have two sets. Actually, two of them came out of his, um, his estate sale the other one i so i call that the zacco set the one with the stamp on the back okay and it looked like he stamped everyone the other set he had it's got kind of kids script writing on the bottom it's like one of his kids wrote in script the name of the player and the university that they played for at the bottom of each of the cards they all have it hmm. so that i call that is the zacco kid script set right <laughs> and so i'm guessing he had a complete set that looked like that too all of those have not come or appeared most of them have appeared so the lot that was in um, leland's was mostly the ones with the kids script writing on them but a few with the zacco back um you know on them as well yeah you know maybe let me make a presumption here i'm gonna i'm gonna almost say the ones with the kids script on them maybe or it's rarer than the Zacco ones because think about it. If he took them home and gave them to his kids, yeah. I mean, think about what you did with stuff when your dad gave you as a kid, you, know, you didn't appreciate it, you scribbled on it, whatever, yeah. you know, throw it around with your, your brothers or whatever. And they get lost and everything where Zacco probably yeah. had it in desk drawer or something and preserved somewhat. So exactly. Yeah. So that, well, yeah, well, yeah. And, and one collector has noticed a couple things that point to one of those two Zacco sets. And I can't remember if it's the kid script one or the one with his stamp on the back was probably the proof set, like the first set produced from the, the, you know, the negative, because if you look at more than one example, kind of side by side, the one set from Zacco is just slightly, I mean, I mean just, you wouldn't notice unless you were comparing them just a slightly more clear, and a little bit of a different shade of the background than the other ones in all the mm. other sets. And, and also what was noticed by one collector, which was a great discovery, was one particular card, the one that I'm calling the proof, probably the original, um, does not have a print defect, a, a little photo defect on his forehead. And the other three that are known to exist all have that print defect. And I'm not an expert in photography, but my understanding is when you, um, you know, when you just when you develop, you know, film, 
um, you use some emulsion usually to get the, the, the paper to do its thing. And if you don't wash that off completely, it can damage the negative and you get a little print mark where it kind of corroded or ate the, the negative. And so the one that we think is the set that were, was the first one produced, the one that's just a tad clearer and a little bit of a different shade, it's the only one of that card that doesn't have that print mark, which makes yeah. you think, oh, when they went and produced the rest of these, right, after Zacco or whoever approved them and said, yeah, these look great, you know, they were done – you know, shortly thereafter. And I do say shortly because there were some people who were speculating, well, you know, maybe only one of these was produced in 29. And and then, you know, maybe for the reunions in the 60s, the rest of these were produced. And so they're not as old as that one set. I don't think that's true. Uh, mainly because I mentioned one of the sets is fully autographed. So it has autographs of all the players. And one is you'd have to have all the players together to get all those autographs. And I could find no reference to any time after that season that all of those players would have been in the same place, <laughs> right? They scattered to the wind after the season, right? Went home, wherever right. home was. And and two is none of the reunions uh, did everyone show up. And also one of the players died in 1941 and his card is autographed. So you know that set was autographed before 41, and I couldn't find any reference to any kind of reunion before 41 where the whole 26 team would have got together. So I got to believe that was done when they were distributed, you know, during or after this, you know, right after the 26 season. Hmm. Wow. Very, yeah. It's kind of hard for somebody to sign something uh, 20 years after they've passed. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, if, if you ever see a 1955 tops, all American Jim Thorpe autographed, you know, it's fake because he was not alive <laughs> in 55, you know, that'd right. be a great card to, to find. So, yeah, so I ended up with six of those. And then as luck would have it, that same collector who sold me those over time, probably about three or four years later, he called me up. He was at a show in Pennsylvania Eastern Pennsylvania, near near Pottsville, okay. and into the show walks a a descendant of Barney Wentz, who was one of the players on the 25-26 you know team, and brought some memorabilia that had been passed down through the family through the years. And this person was interested in selling some of this stuff, get raise some money, and. One of the things that this person had was a near complete set of these postcards. And he said they they belonged to Barney. They were his and they got passed down through the generations and he was interested in selling them. So this collector called me and he was like, Hey, I might I might keep a couple of these because I think they're I still think they're kind of cool, but you know, I don't I don't want them all. I know you're trying to get the set. Would you be interested in in buying these and i was like absolutely <laughs> so we we struck a deal and i was able to pick up gosh i don't know 12 or 13 of them including interestingly a couple i already had so now i've got a couple doubles which means i could trade them or whatever which is cool right. yeah um and so i picked up a bunch of them which got me to 15 of the 18 cards but the problem was the three biggest cards in the set the big dogs i didn't have and those were Barney Wentz. So the ironically, the Barney Wentz near complete set that the family had did not mm -hmm. include the Barney Wentz card. So probably somebody else in the family kept the Barney Wentz card. Can't that's, blame them. That's right? on a frame on somebody's mantle, you know, say, hey, exactly, there's grandpa. Yeah. You know? Hopefully it's still out there and it didn't get thrown away. So there was no Barney Wentz. I needed that one. I did not have Tony Latone. Really wanted Tony Latone. Yeah, he's the. There stud. were a couple examples out there that I had seen. In fact, that 2012 auction in Leland's had a, a Latone in it, so I knew where that one lived because I knew who ended up with those cards. And the third one was Charlie Berry. Now Charlie Berry's interesting because at that time there were collectors who believed that the Charlie Berry card didn't exist um, because nobody had ever seen one. Nobody had ever seen it. It hadn't come up in the, the Zacco auctions. Neither, neither of his sets had the berry in it. The Wentz set didn't have the berry in it. And some people thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe um, they didn't make a card of Charlie Berry, you know, because he was playing baseball at the same time 
And he didn't actually get to Pottsville until late October because he was mm-hmm. playing baseball. And, and until the season ended, you know, he was committed to baseball. And some believe, well, maybe they per- – you know, printed those cards early in the season, and he wasn't yet in Pottsville, and he just didn't get a card. Um, so I, I needed those three. Um, fortunately for me, right before COVID, uh, in the uh, Hunt auctions always has a big Super Bowl auction. It's always a football-only auction right before the Super Bowl every year. They always have great stuff in it. And, you know, in 2019, lo and behold, I'm looking through the Hunt auction, and there's a complete set, including the Charlie Berry, of these these postcards. No kidding. And it was it was actually framed. So someone had taken all the cards, and they had put them in a matting, and built this big framed glass encased item that you could put on the wall. Hmm. And and the the lot said it came from a, a collection of a guy named Ducat, who, you know, he's like the Mecca of football collecting. He's like the Jefferson Burdick uh, of football collecting. He was very early into the hobby before people were into football. And apparently this guy had everything <laughs> like <laughs> from all the way back to the origins of the game. He had it all. Wow. And so if something came from Ducat, you know, it's primo. And this apparently came from Ducat. Now I was never able to track down where did he get it from? Like, which player did these cards come from? Uh, there was no information in the lot as to where he got it from. But I mentioned they were all autographed. So somebody went around and got everything, auto, you know, all of them autographed before they you know, disbanded. Is it, is, is it possible that he was a, such a big collector, maybe back in that era, that he was uh, like a friend of Sacco's or somebody and got invited to the reunion or wherever the, and got his own set maybe? We thought about that, except for this Jawish card, which is the player who died in 1941. You know, he, he that yeah. card was autographed in his his collection. So that had to have been done before he died in 41. OK, so nobody knows. Right. Nobody knows for sure. Um, what's interesting is that one of the players, Russ Hathaway, he signed everybody just signed their name on all these cards except for one. Russ Hathaway wrote to David regards RG Hathaway. Hmm. Two points about that. One is who the heck is David? Right? And somebody that came with this set's name was David. There's no David on the team. There's no coach. I looked hmm. in every direction for a David. Like, who was <laughs> this person that had this set back when Russ Hathaway signed it? Could not figure that out but interestingly enough one of the other sets has a couple of signed cards in it including the hathaway and it was actually the barney Wentz set and his card says to barney regards rg hathaway it's it's exactly the same as he wrote for this guy david so Hmm. i'm thinking probably same day right so again there's some kind of an event whether it was a party at the end of the 26th season or who knows sometime before 41 these were these were autographed Hmm. so yeah so anyway um i didn't want the whole set it was going to be really expensive these cards are not cheap as you can probably tell because they're so rare (laughs) so i went out looking for a couple of collectors that might split this lot with me um and because i only needed three so you know when I knew who collects these and went around. I found two collectors who were interested in splitting it. And then we spent some time just kind of pricing it out, and relatively looking at what it would be. And I told them, hey, I don't care how you all split up the rest, but I want these three. <laughs> it's the only three I want because I want to finish the set. And so we we worked through all that. And then we came up with kind of a, you know, what's our maximum price that we all feel comfortable paying for this lot? Because we're going to have to buy them all together and don't want right. you know, anybody to be unhappy if we spent way too much money. So we came up with a price and we were all set. And, you know, the way um, Hunt Auctions works is they put stuff online for a couple of weeks and you can bid kind of before the auction. But then the actual auction, the day before the Super Bowl, it's always Saturday before the Super Bowl, is a live auction. So they have a live auction here doing their thing but they also have a you know a a live online as well so you can still bid if you're not there in person as well 
So we decided because we were, you know, you never know about your internet connection, right? And how that's all going to go. I've been burned mm -hmm. before, you know, wait for some auction to close. And then my internet just decides to drop and you right. miss it, right? So I was like, why don't we just put our Macs in? I mean, I trust these people. They're not shill bidding this thing. Let's put our Macs in the night before, before up until, you know, you were allowed to put something in online up till the night before that would be considered during the auction. Then you could bid real time as well. So we put our, we put our number in there and we we're just going to leave it at that. But I was thinking, you know, I'm going to get on the site and I'm going to watch this. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking if it gets right there to the limit and we're not winning, I might, I might bump it one more. Right. <laughs> Cause I'd hate to think, we were that close and we didn't get it. Right. I didn't tell the guys I was going to do that. I was just kind of mulling it over. I was like, well, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But what, what's, you know, if you come that far, you might as well just you put right. in a little bit more and just get this thing that you've been you looking for. You want to have the regrets the next decade. day you lost it for. Exactly. Yeah, right. So, you know, the, the auction comes up and the item comes up and bidding starts going and it's going, it's going, it's going. And I'm like, okay, we're still good. Now it's starting to creep up closer to our number. And I'm like, uh-oh, I don't know about this. Are we going to do it? Then it starts slowing down. I'm like, okay, all right. We're getting to like where people are thinking this, you know, this lot, what it's worth. And it was, we were right in range with what, you know, others felt, you know, the value of this lot was. And what, but what happened that was funky was so I'm watching in you know the online thing and I'm watching the prices and it went up to our number and then a bid was retracted so it said bid retracted it went back down to the um the bid prior to that and then it went up about halfway to our bid and I'm online and I don't know what's going on like what happened there did something retract did that live auction the site that does the you know online stuff did they type something wrong and then they backed it out i don't know so i don't know if we're winning right all i know is the bid is a little bit less than what we put as our max but i don't know if that means we were the high bidder or is there some rule like the next bid sequence has got to be a certain amount more and it's over our bid and so now our max bid you know isn't going to get counted i didn't know and i panicked and i was like you know what i don't care for the the bidder the high bidder i'm hitting the bid button because I'm not losing this at this point. So I just hit the bid button, took the next bid, and it closed. And I was like, oh, my God, we won. I can't believe it. <laughs> but ironically, the other two collectors who were – they were watching it as well. They thought we lost because it went above our max. And they didn't okay. know I was, I was still bidding, right? So it was kind of funny. I called them both individually. And, of course, they get on the phone, and at first they're all kind of like, mopey and depressed and they're like i can't believe we we're so close i'm like well i got good news for you <laughs> and they were so happy and i told them hey if, if you want me to pay the extra i'm more than happy to pay the extra i'm just so happy to to finally get these three cards but they were all like hey you saved the day i don't know what happened either but you know we'll we'll pitch in and cover the extra it's not that big a deal so no couldn't couldn't you be risking uh, all three of you bidding against yourselves too though well, they weren't bidding, right? We we but, had agreed but, none but, of us but, were going to bid. But they didn't but think they, you were bidding either, though. I know, I know. <laughs> the no, same you're right. thing. We, we could have. Could all been going rogue and. <laughs> we could have. I guess we just all trusted we were just going to stick to our maximum, you know, that we put in. But you're right. I mean, we could have bid ourselves <laughs> up, you know. Right. <laughs> that would have been depressing. Yeah. So yeah, no. So that's how uh, I ended up with, you know, as of right now, the only complete set. Since that since that set was pulled apart, the only one that exists out there today. Wow, that, that is postcards. extremely extremely cool. Now I, I got a couple questions about, you know, yeah. I guess from the maybe the collecting standpoint. Okay, mm -hmm. now is it? Are you nervous? Were, were the three of you nervous of knowing that this had been framed and behind glass? Yeah, you were, and you were going to split it up. Were you mm -hmm. maybe worried about the condition when you take it out we of the? Sure, glass? were yeah. Well, and we because we didn't know how it was they were attached or were they attached? Like were they put in little, you know, picture sleeves or you know, what was it just glued on the back? Mm -hmm. Was it taped? You know, what how was it how was it actually um, you know, 
And then we had to figure out, well, how are we going to cut this up too, right? Because we're not keeping this together. We got to split this in three. So what actually happened, funny story, is myself and one of the collectors and his wife, who does quite a bit of craft stuff, we cooked up this strategy where we were going to go to hunt because we also didn't want to ship it. We don't want to risk shipping it. We didn't want to pay the insurance and the shipping for it. They're, They're in Pennsylvania. So I was like, tell you what, I'll just drive up. You just drive over. We'll meet there. And he said, I'll bring my wife. She'll bring her exacto knives and everything else that she uses for crafts. And we will <laughs> inspect this thing and we will figure out how to take this thing apart. And so we went and we sat in the back room and we carefully took it out of its frame and took the matting off and looked at it. They were um, they were kind of double stick taped to the mm. back. I don't know why you would freaking do that. But there was more. So that's something. more of a modern type thing than it wasn't not like from yeah. back in the yeah. day when it, they were first made. Not glued. It was not glued. I'm guessing Ducat did it. And he was a, I guess, 60s, 70s ish. I'm not okay. sure his exact era, but I'm guessing he put this together and he double stick taped them all to the back. Um now we couldn't tell that initially, but what we did was we just cut them apart with the back attached to them. We were gonna mess with the backs. We were like, hey, we'll split all these up and then you all go figure out how to get yeah. the backs off of these. To each you your know, own. I took, <laughs> I took mine to a professional, you know, kind of restorer slash, you know, somebody that knows how to, you know, do those kinds of things and had them removed. And that's how I found out it was double stick tape on the back. Um, but yeah, we were very worried about, you know, we, it could have been, um, attached to the front too, to the matting in the front. We didn't know. Fortunately it wasn't. So the fronts of the cards, you know, what weren't an issue was getting them off the back, but we, we cut it all up that went seamlessly. And then I, you know, he, the gentleman and his wife took his, I took mine and the other person's and I wrapped them up and shipped them to the, the third, uh, winner. Um, the next day. So oh, very, very cool. All right. I guess one of my other yeah. questions is, okay, as a collector, especially this story now, what, what, where is the uh, more exuberance? Is it in the hunt and finding, Hey, this is up for auction and I need these. And, or is it, I won the bid. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting this. These are coming, coming home. Where, where, where does where those uh, fall in relationship to each other? Well, the whole process was fun because I've done a couple of of deals with other collectors where we kind of figured out how to split something up. You know, we we did on VFC, you know, that we're a member of our football community. A few years ago, there was a 19, what is it, 32 Packers Walker Cleaners premium set that came up. There are these big, nice premiums of all the players from that year from the Packers uh, done by a local cleaners, Walker Cleaners. Um, and we did the same thing. We, you know, you know, said, Hey, we're going to split this up and let's figure out how to do it. Let's figure out what the prices are. Let's make it all work. That's fun to like work it all through and, you know, just enjoy the hobby with others and figure out how to make it work. And, you know, I mean, no contention at all between like, nobody's like, Oh, I really want that one. And I'm going to be mad if I don't get that, you know? I mean, everybody was just like, hey, you know, let's just let's just get some great stuff for our collection. Right. And I I love doing those kinds of deals Mm -hmm. where you get to like work with other collectors and figure out what its value is and how to bid and, you know, then split it up. And everybody's so happy after they get their stuff. So that was fun. But you just can't be winning the item. Right. I mean, especially if it's something you've been looking for for a decade. And in this case, you know, the Charlie Berry card that you know there, there's only one right now that's known hopefully somebody out there's listening is like i got one in my collection because there's they got to be out there those other sets at least those complete sets that i've identified and unless somebody cherry picked those out and then forgot about them or somebody saw it it doesn't have any markings on it threw it away who mm. knows but you would think there'd be a few others yeah you, you know, would out there and charlie berry for those that don't know i mean he only played nfl for two years in 25 and 26 but he's in the college football hall of fame he was an extraordinary athlete he played in the M- M- major league baseball for 11 years as a catcher 
And then he had a 20 year career as a baseball umpire or, or yeah. And a, and a football umpire or a football referee. He's actually trivia. Um, you know, great trivia answer. He's the only person to umpire the world series referee, the NFL championship and referee the college all-star game in the same season. Wow. <laughs> yeah, 1958, actually. He was one of the refs for the greatest game, Colts versus Giants in 58. He was on the field. Well, now now, the, now we know why there's only one card left, because somebody <laughs> yeah. those cards and he was a dartboard oh. in somebody's basement or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, he you could argue, I mean, Tony Latone obviously was a huge star, and they had other stars on these teams, but I think everybody would agree. Charlie Berry was, he was the man on that team. And of course he kicked the, he kicked the football that I have. Right. You know, I through to beat that. The Notre Dame. That was Charlie Berry, which actually makes me wonder why he wasn't kicking in 26 too. Because hmm. when you look at the game reports, he wasn't the one who missed all those field goals. So I'm like, why wasn't Charlie Berry kicking? If he was kicking, if he just made one of those kicks in those last two games each, they're the champs. Why wasn't he kicking the ball? I don't know. There's no explanation who, as to who, why he didn't kick. Who, who was kicking? Was, was Henry? It was Jim Welch. Actually. Oh, okay. A guy named Jim Welch. Was, yeah, well, at least um, in the um, Chicago Bears game, he's called out, which is kind of a bummer, is missing three field goals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess he was a pretty good kicker, but you got to think you want Charlie Berry on the field if – you know, the NFL championships on the line. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know why he wasn't kicking. Or even you know, Fats Henry, because isn't Fats Henry had had like the hundred yard punt the Yeah, but he wasn't on the twenty six team. So Oh, he was he, only at twenty five. Yeah. Okay. He was on he was on twenty four and twenty eight. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. In fact, he's part of that whole reason why many believe the Maroons lost the 25 championship because he was one of the players that jumped from the NFL to the Maroons in 24 before they were an NFL team and the NFL sued them. Um, it was Pete Henry and maybe Guy Chamberlain played on that 24 team. I can't remember. A couple guys from Canton jumped ship against contract and against the NFL and went to Pottsville and Joe Carr in the league sued. Pottsville and they sued the players and it got thrown out of court in Pennsylvania on a technicality. Wink, wink in Pennsylvania, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> You're not going to win in Pennsylvania. And a lot of people feel like that was part of the grudge that Joe Carr had against Doc Striegel and the Maroons that next year. Because mm, he was still okay. frosted that you know they poached some NFL players, which was a big no-no at that point. So hmm. crazy stuff. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Wow. Very, very cool uh, story. And, uh, you know, the story behind the cards, the cards themselves and, the, you know, the whole uh, obtaining them, that's, that's getting the whole set. You know, that's, that's some cool stuff. It was fun. But, but you had, you had uh, some other items too, that you wanted to talk about too, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So the other one I wanted to focus on was in 1928. So a few years later, the Pottsville Maroons, as gifts to the players at the end of the season, gave them little anthracite coal charms slash fobs. They're small football-shaped pieces of anthracite coal, which of course was the you know the product at Pottsville, you know the anthracite league and anthracite coal mines there. Um, they they made these little these little charms, some calm fobs, which were basically these little items that you would put on a chain kind of today we'd call it like a charm bracelet but back then you know a lot of um men had pocket watches and those pocket watches had a chain hooked to maybe a button or something so they didn't drop it and it was it didn't fall out of their pocket and you know people used to attach little charms to it and a lot of organizations and sports teams and whatever would give these charms out to their players and uh, for awards and things back in that era because they were very popular and the players would mm -hmm. attach them to their chains well the maroons decided to do this in 28 and so they built you know they created these little tiny footballs they're only like an inch long very small um on one side etched in it is possible maroons 
Uh, and they went on the cheap, by the way. The etching looks like they used like a, I don't know, like a <laughs> some sort of a, Somebody had a, like a wood nail. burner, but but for <laughs> yeah, but for something like you'd etch into coal, I don't even know what that would be. It's real <laughs> wobbly, and it's not, it's not, doesn't look that great, but you know, it's part of its character. So it says Possible Maroons on one side of the little football. On the other side, it says 1928. It has the player's name. And it has the player's position in it, uh, which is kind of cool, right? Right. Now, the other thing about this team, and I still have never figured out, I've asked numerous people, and, and nobody can really answer this question. I can speculate. This team was loaded with talent. They had, you know, Hall of Famer, Pete Henry, Fats Henry. So this was one of the years he played for them when he came back. They had Walt Kiesling, who's in the Hall of Fame. They had Johnny Blood who was in the Hall of Fame. So they had three Hall of Famers on the team. Tony Latone was still playing. Um, early pro and star Hat Morin, Mike Morin's dad, was playing. Mm -hmm. Barney Wentz played some games. Their quarterback, Jack Ernst, who played the whole time there in Possville, who was very good, he was playing. And they had a bunch of Maroons players who had been there for at least four or five years playing together. Herb Stein and Frankie Racis and George Keneally and Osborne and – they they were stacked and they went two and eight hmm. in the league, two and eight in the league and four and Jeez. 10 overall. They they actually lost two games to like teams that you like look at and they look like some local pickup league team, you know, mm -hmm. and why? What happened? Right. The only thing I can figure is from reading some of the clippings is, you know, the, the Maroons always had financial troubles. You know, Doc Strigel tried his best, but. They, you know, it was a small town. It was a small stadium. You know, you you know, you've heard the stories. It had a hill behind it. A lot of people sat up on the hill for free and watched the games. They didn't go in the stadium. They were just always struggling financially. And I know toward the end it got a little contentious. I know the players weren't being paid. I know there were rumors of like walkouts, and we're not gonna play the next game unless we get paid, and just a lot of strife. And I wonder if all that kind of off-field stuff was part of the reason this team just didn't gel. Because you look at the p the players on this team, and it looks like an all-star team. You're like, how in the world did they lose eight games? <laughs> That's the only thing I can come up with. You know, is is it was strife? You know, you you sit there and you you think about you know that Philadelphia area, and I'm talking you know draw a circle around Philadelphia, however many miles Pottsville is out in that 1925-26 yeah. season. You have Pottsville, you have Frankfurt, both really good NFL teams. The Red Grange League is going on, and the Philadelphia yeah, Quakers exactly. win that league. They're the best team in that league. They're going on and for one year, yep. and uh, what, I've been uh, 26. Yep, uh, you know, just uh, – and then you have the the other East Coast teams aren't doing so bad either. You know, the Giants are are pretty nice. good. One, there's one the ninth, yeah. there's the, the New 20s, York Yankees yeah. of Red Grange going on in the NFL and the, the original AFL, and and just some great teams uh, going on there. So that's uh, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, really cool, cool year. But back to the fobs, the charms. Um, you know, as far as I can tell, only one was produced per player. Um, now, I have seen one or two come up to auction that just have Pottsville Maroons on the side, but no player information on the other side. So maybe they were extras that they, you know, produced. I don't know. And they got into the market. But but I've been able to track down and buy two of them. So I have the Tony Latone, my favorite all-time players, should be in yeah. the Hall of Fame, and Pete Henry. Wow. Hall of Famer. Yeah. So the, two, the, two Henry, the Hallmark players of that team, too. Absolutely. I would love to have the Johnny Blood. Johnny Blood yeah. did come up for auction and it went for a lot of money, <laughs> way uh, more than I was going to pay for a little tiny piece of coal. He, he's got <laughs> then, the marquee name, though. Everybody wants that name. That, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that one went way over my budget. I was not. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this bad boy. And I was already. And now <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even come close. But but I did get – I got the Pete Henry first. Actually, a, a longtime collector you know, offered it up to me. Um, he was downsizing his collection, knew I was into Pottsville, and he wanted to know if I wanted it. And, of course, I was like, yep, I want it. <laughs> what do you want for it? And so I got that one first. 
And then I missed on the Latone. It came up at auction years ago, and I made a run at it. I didn't win it. I went. I thought it went for more than it was worth, and that kind of proved to be the case because it came back up, you know, say maybe five years ago, and I got it for less than what it went the first time. Hmm. So I was kind of vindicated. I had to wait, you know, three or four years for it, but I got it at the price that I I thought was fair fair price. Well, I have see. seen some other ones. Um, I mentioned the Johnny Blood. That one's floating around out there. Um, you know, the um, um, Hap Moore and son, Mike, who we both know, mm-hmm. um, he has mentioned that he saw his dad's when he was a kid or at some point. It was like in his desk or something. He could tell you the story, but he doesn't know what happened to it. It really? disappeared, whether it went to you know, his brother or another family member or his dad just, I don't know, threw it away. Who knows what happens with these things, right? But he hasn't been able to track it back down. Oh, um, I've seen, I, I've, I've, I've heard that the Frankie racist is out there in the hobby. So Frankie was a long time maroon. Um, I think I saw a George Keneally, but I went looking for an image and I cannot find that image. So I might just be hallucinating. But I could have swore that there was a George Keneally um, charm floating around. There's also in one of the books, and I don't remember if it's in the Breaker Boys book on the Maroons or one of the other ones. There's a story about a player who threw his off the side of a train when they were coming back from a game or something, Mm -hmm. chucked it over the side and just got rid of it. Um, And I can't remember which. I can't remember what player that is. I have to go find the book and look it up. But that one, obviously, I think is gone. <laughs> we're not going to find yeah. that one <laughs> unless somebody gets really lucky. But, we're, you know, if you look at that. Jeff will be out there by all the train tracks. Uh, I know, right? I'll be, like digging everything. around the dirt, you know, <laughs> seeing it like, you know, 100 years ago. I can find something <laughs> that's been laying there. But if you add all those up, I mean, that means, you know, about a third, a quarter to a third of these charms are still around at least, um, which I don't th- think is horribly bad for a hundred year, almost, you know, items that are almost a hundred years old. So, and you know, I, I think it's pretty just cool. Think, pretty and just, cool. yeah, it is cool. And just think about, you know, how, how you treasure them and other collectors treasure those. And back when we were kids, uh, you know, you said you're going to get punished. Santa's going to bring you a lump of coal. Well, this would be <laughs> yeah, a pretty cool would... piece of coal to get in your stocking, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say. Yeah, and one of the things I really like about these, and it's kind of the personal connection, I just think it's really cool if I'm holding something that Pete Henry held or Tony Latone held, right? right? Like you you got it in your hand and you're like, Pete Henry had his big, huge mug on this thing at one point, was holding it in his hand. And now I'm holding it in my hand. How cool is that? Yeah, it's it's you a know, personal you, item. It's not like the the cards exactly. like exactly, but they're not yeah. as they're not as personal as this. This has got their name on it, and they probably mm-hmm. cherish it. You know, that's, that's yeah, just... something they had, something they wore. Yeah, I I just think that's cool. So I I yeah. really like those fobs. I'm always looking for them. I hope some other ones you know show up on the market at some place or sometime. But yeah, yeah, wow, those are neat. Definitely cool. That is really some great stories and some great items, and uh, you know, to a great team uh, that uh, definitely interested, and in. a lot of people are so. Very, very cool. And I appreciate you you coming on and telling us about that. Now, you know, we uh, met uh, because of an organization that uh, you, uh, I believe you you founded the organization and you, you're you know, the, the strength and the the rah-rah and you keep everybody in line. And uh, maybe you could talk about <laughs> our, our little community of, uh, of yeah. doctors and, and historians. Yeah, maybe there's some people out there that are interested in joining. So it's uh, I started it's Vintage Football Community, VFC. I started it. uh, It's probably been five plus years ago now. And really, it was because, you know, I was a member of quite a few other online kind of hobby forums. Most of them, though, were very baseball oriented. I don't have anything against baseball. I coached baseball for a long time when my boys were growing up and. I like baseball, but I don't collect baseball. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I don't want to talk about baseball. I want to talk about football. 
And it just seemed like all of the online communities out there were very, very focused on baseball and the football traffic was not good. And it used to bug me because I'd always try to nudge these communities and try to get people to respond and interact and just could not get a mass of people together all talking about football. So at some point I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to create a, a new community. And I call it a community on purpose because it's not really about the cards. Like I mentioned, you know, coming up with a way to split up these items and just working through that process was so much fun because it's it's kind of about, you know, like minded people who enjoy football are passionate, want to talk about it, want to share information it's a community, right? And so right. that's what I wanted. I wanted, I didn't want it to be a cutthroat because that's the other thing. Some of those online communities are just, gosh, you, like people like hate each other and like somebody wins something and somebody else is really mad, and, you know, gets all uptight about it. And I'm just like, just a hobby. We're just having fun, right? It's right. supposed to be fun. You're not supposed to be stressed out about it. So you don't win something. Big deal. <laughs> is it really that important in the scheme of things? No. So I was hoping for that feel too. And so I started it and, you know, been very happy with, you know, how it's gone. It's a collection, as you mentioned, of, you know, collectors from across the spectrum. We have people that focus on 1800s, you know, college to pre-NFL football, to pre-war, to post-war, to modern, just whole spectrum, right? Some are into cards, some are into programs, some are independents, some are into all, right? It, you know, photos, it's just a wide range. And then we have people who don't really do much collecting at all, but they're just tons of, they just have tons of football knowledge, right? They write books, you know, they research, you got people like you doing podcasts and sharing like great historical information. And it's just a eclectic set of people who like to talk about football. And it, so- yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you talk about community and talk about the different eras. I mean, you can sit there and go on different posts. You have posts on uh, people put up things of their favorite pieces of their collections or you know mm -hmm. things that they cherish. And it might be something from five years ago or might be something from 105 years ago. And uh, people yeah. respect it. I mean, I, you never hear anything negative in there and say, oh, you know, that, that piece sucks. Mm -hmm. It's always like, oh, that's that's cool. Hey, where'd you get that? You know what? Give me some background on that. It's just cool stuff like that. And you get to absorb more football history just by going through it. And uh, you know, the folks in the community are, are awesome. You know, they're, they're great people and uh, it's a lot of fun and they share pictures and images of mm -hmm. what they have and stories. And it's, uh, it's really a lot of fun. And some of the most interesting ones when you get into the community part are of you guys going to trade shows and having dinner and you share pictures or uh, the secret yep. Santas and those kind of things. Those are fun to, to listen to and read too. So. You know, yeah, we try to get some fun activities in there too. Like you mentioned, we're playing fantasy football too, and we do yeah. some other stuff. And yeah, it's in fact this weekend is Chantilly, which is a big you know card show down here in the Virginia area. And you know, I know some members are coming by, and we're planning to meet up there and you know grab some dinner after the show and hang out for a little bit. So we'll we'll try to post up a few pictures of whoever shows up for something like that and. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot of fun and and it is free for anybody out there. It's free. We do ask for donations periodically, very infrequently, every couple of years mm -hmm. or so, just because the forum we use, the software costs a little bit of money. It covers that. We usually try to cover um we usually get a sponsor for the pizza dinner that we always have at the national. Um, but usually we blow our budget there people are having too much fun <laughs> eating right. too much stuff and so you know a little bit of the money might go toward you know the pizza dinner maybe um but yeah i mean and then then the other thing is you know we we've also been i think pretty good about trying to um do tributes we have had a few members unfortunately pass away right i mean uh, mm -hmm. we have a spectrum of young to you know old and in, in vfc and we have had a few members uh, pass. We've done some sort of donation slash fundraising each time to, you know, we planted some trees that was at the request of the family in someone's name. 
we gave to a, a youth organization that one member had been affiliated with all, you know, for, for decades and, you know, just get back and, yeah, you know, just good stuff. try to be, be a community, right? That's what a community yeah. is about helping each other and, you know, just enjoying each other's company. So and collect what you like, as you mentioned. I mean, that's why, you know, nobody's, you know, nobody's, um, you know, telling somebody else why what they're collecting is stupid or not worth it or whatever. And we have collectors all the way from people who are just, um, they're a um, either a type collector or they're a um, completion collector. They don't care what grade it is. Do we have some people who are like really, really, really into the high grade stuff? That's all they want. And it's all good at VFC. You know, whatever you love is what you should collect. And that's and, kind of and our it's philosophy. Fo it's football and it's fun no matter what it is. And it's fun to. Exactly. You know, yeah. The guy only wants the helmets. I mean, that's cool stuff. And you learn a lot about the helmet to the guy with the jerseys or the mm -hmm. football cards or guy who collects everything. It's just uh, great stuff. And uh, so so how yeah. can people, uh, if somebody was interested in joining Jeff, what's the best avenue for them to, to apply for joining? Yeah. I mean, just contact me. Um, they can go through you if, if they're, they're listening and okay. know how to contact you. I mean, yeah, it's a real definitely. simple process. We, we just, you know, it's, it's, it's free. It's anybody who's into it can be a member. We have a few simple rules, you know, right. Very basic stuff. Like, you know, don't torture each other and, you know, <laughs> avoid politics and religious discussions. We don't do that. This is about right. football. Don't I want to hear anybody, any of that stuff. You know, just stuff I've learned from being on other forums. I tried to put together, you know, four or five basic, simple, to me, common sense rules that for whatever reason, some of these other forums don't, they they don't adhere to or even state, right? I, I think yeah. that's a mistake personally. I think yeah. you just make it clear what's expected of people. Most people are, you know, professional and they want to, you know, participate the right way. And if they know what's expected, they're, they're going to be cool, you know? Right. So absolutely. Yeah. So, so folks, if you're interested, just uh, send me an email, pigskindispatch at gmail.com. I will get you in touch with Jeff and uh, we'll get you in the VFC and you can start enjoying the fun and uh, the community. So Jeff, you know, yeah. we really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about, you know, not only the VFC, but your collected pieces. Uh, you've done this multiple times now and people really enjoy it. We get to see, you know, the side of football that, uh, you know, we don't always get to see, you know, not everybody gets to, you know, touch a football that was played uh, in a big game a hundred some years ago or a charm yeah. that Pete Henry and Tony Latone had on their watch yeah. and, uh, you know, just uh, great stuff. And, uh, you know, please keep sharing and uh, we encourage others out there that want to share their piece of collection too, to come on in because we'd all like to hear it and, or at least share it in the VFC. We'd love to hear it in there too, but uh, really appreciate your time and uh, your experiences and your sharing of your items. And uh, we thank you for that. Thanks, Darren. This was a blast. You're always such a great host and thank you for all you're doing for the, for the hobby and the community as well. This is great work you're doing. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. 
Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.